Our God and Father, it is a great joy to sing hymns of praise to you because you are alone the worthy one, the one who is worthy to receive our prayers, our praise, our worship. You are the one who is the author of all things, the great captain of salvation in Christ. God, our Father, we thank you that you are over all. You are God, you are blessed, and you are forever, and yet you are pleased to come out and to know us in Christ. We thank you for his obedience, his perfections, his moral beauties, which shine through to us in the written word, describing the one who would come to bruise and crush Satan's head. We thank you, our Father, that at the cross, Jesus Christ led captivity captive, that he vanquished death and him that had the power over it, in order that there should be a great gospel, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we ask your blessing upon us as we meet now. There are many things we could have been doing, but Father God, you have drawn us with the cords of love to gather together to remember our mission time and to bless each other as we study your word, fellowship together, and consider the great commission to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. But in doing so, we also recognize that we need to stand, having done all, as the scripture says, to stand. Stand, therefore, in the might of the Christ himself. So, our Father, bless our time, we pray, for we ask it in and through the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Now, if you've got a Bible, can you turn to 1 Peter? Chapter 1. 1 Peter, chapter 1. And we're going to read the first ten verses. 1 Peter, chapter 1. Verse 1 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. Elect according to the phonology of God, the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith, for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, 
Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Well, so reads the first ten verses. Shall we just ask the Lord Jesus to bless his word, folks? And what you want this weekend is for the Lord to speak to you, and he will. He'll speak to you if you're quiet enough. If you're too busy, you won't, you'll miss it. So let's ask God to speak to us, shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we do pray that you'd speak to us this weekend. I pray that you'd speak to me. And I pray that I'd learn much from your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, I've been asked this evening to speak on the theme of confidence in our conversion. And I was reading a book by Martin Lloyd-Jones on the Christian warfare who said this, There is a tremendous warfare, there is no discharge in this warfare, but as long as we are in this life and world, we'll have to be aware of the fact that we are involved in a fight, a struggle and a conflict. And he goes on to say, There is an enemy who is always attacking you, always keeping you, uh, always keep your feet therefore. The great task in life and the great business of life is to keep standing. So, if you look at our society, folks, and you look at Christendom in Britain and the climate that you've got to live in, you'll find there's confusion, you'll find there's liberalism, you'll find that there is materialism, you'll find that there's heresy, you'll find all sorts of isms coming in, and you as a Christian have got to find confidence amidst that. And it begs the question, where is our confidence to lay? What are we going to rest on? And the answer to that question is this. You are to be confident in the God of your conversion. And what I want to do this evening is I simply want to go through reasons why you can be confident in conversion, especially in our modern Britain Christian mindset. Okay. Well, it's all found in this passage. And it says here, number one, you can be confident in conversion because it's a work of God. Because it says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. So he tells us that God is blessed and the Father is blessed who according to his abundant mercy. Now the first thing I want you to get is you can be confident in conversion, folks, because it's a work of God. And if you're a Christian tonight, that means you've got two birthdays. If you're a Christian this evening, God has worked on your life. And it's because of his abundant mercy. A friend of mine called John Chapman, who's an Australian evangelist, has done a tape called In evangelism, God's part and ours. And he talks about convince and rebuke and encourage people to share faith. But he says the bit that we can't do, that only the divine can do, is that that person can be born again. That person can have a new start. That person can be converted. And it's according to his abundant mercy. And do you know something, folks? God is merciful to you. And God's merciful to me. And the God who made the heavens is merciful to each one of us. 
I heard a story, I thought it was quite comical. It was about a grandmother who got an opportunity to teach her grandson the issue of grace, the grace of God. And what happened was, this child came on Saturday afternoons, and when he was there that Saturday afternoon, she said, you can play anywhere in the house, but whatever you do, don't break my vase, or for the southerners here, theirs. Alright, don't break the thing. Okay? And he was playing, and then, oh no, down the corridor came the noise. Smash. And she thought, that is my vase, I know it. And as she was running down the corridor, she thought, ah, an opportunity to teach him about grace. I could withdraw his five pounds spending money, but in fact, even though he's done wrong, I'll still give him his five pounds. So she said, come here, Johnny. And Johnny looked quite white, and the thing was still on the floor. And she said, you've smashed it, haven't you? And little Johnny said, yes. It was obvious it was there. She said, well, even though you've done wrong, I could withdraw your five pounds spending money, but I'll actually give it to you, because that's God's grace, or a picture of God's grace. I could have withdrawn it, but here's your five pounds. The little kid said, hey, granny, make it a tenner, that could be amazing grace. (laughs) (laughs) But it's according, folks, to God's abundant mercy. If you're a Christian tonight, according to God's abundant mercy. And that is a tremendous thing that God has worked in my life. God has worked in your life. And you can have confidence that God brings about conversion. Now the second reason you can have great confidence in a day and age of much confusion is this. You can have confidence in your conversion because you've got this brand new start. Because it says there, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us. In other words, that's a word that means has given us a birth. A new birth. Now if I said to you, when is your natural birth? You'd probably trumpet out a certain time and a date. Of course you would. But you know what? A new birth is yours. A brand new start. And it's a work done by God. And in John chapter 1 verse 12 it said, But as many as received him, to them he gives the power to become the children of God, who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, that's your family, not of the will of the flesh, that's religion, not of the will of man, that's self-effort, but born of God. And that means born from above. God gives you a brand new start, a brand new life. How many people tonight wish that they could start all over again? Could have a brand new room. But they can't. Well, they can in Christ. But in their eyes, they seem to not be able to. I used to teach a boy whose name was Brian Blackwell. In fact, it's still his name, sadly. And he came to me when he was 12. I remember him walking in in his claret and blue top, white shorts, white socks, and green flash plimsolls to my gymnasium when he was tiny. And the teacher came and said, look after him, Vinny, well, he's a bit delicate, this one. So he's in this posh Christian school, and I'm teaching him. Well, I left that school a few years ago, and I didn't hear anything of Brian until I read his story on the front of the Daily Telegraph, Thursday, 30th of June. And it said this, 
the brilliant student who killed both his doting parents. He's the boy from Liverpool, Melling, and he's murdered his mum and his dad. And he's in prison. I've talked with Gerard and I'm going to make contact with him and go and see him. But on the front of the national newspaper on that day, it says this, quoting Brian, Every moment of every day, I wish I could turn back the hands of time. I eternally long to be a little boy again, to a time when everybody loved each other. He longs to change things, doesn't he? And wouldn't you in that awful situation? You can. Because it says here, he has begotten us again to a living hope. If you're a Christian tonight, God is merciful to you, he's gracious to you, it's amazing grace, he's kind, and listen to this, he's giving you a brand new start. I was in a church last week in York and a man said to me after the service, he said, um, he said, my problem, well first he said he was getting baptised. I said, oh, good for you, thinking he was a Christian. I said, have you been a Christian long? He said, oh, my life. So the alarm bells went on, you know. So um, I, I said to him, well, um, how are you finding this experience? He said, he said, well, when I come here, speaking of the church, he said, I, I sort of really am encouraged and I get topped up. But he said, by next Sunday, I know I'll have done lots of things wrong. And he said, I just wish I had the power to conquer it all. Well, I found out he weren't a Christian. I had to explain to him how we could become one. But the point is this, folks. Here's another man, just an ordinary man working in the city of York, who wanted to know how we could have a new start. And the interesting thing is this, folks. That when God gives you a new start, that relationship... That new birth is yours forever. I said to this man, he said, I keep doing things wrong. I said, but look, think of it like this when you become a Christian. I said, imagine your dad says to you, don't kick the footy through the window. And two in the afternoon, dad's gone to work, you whack the ball through the window. What will happen at tea time? He said, well, I'll be really nervous when dad's coming home and I'll be upset because he's going to be upset. And I think he's going to really tell me off. I said, but will you still be his son? He said, yeah, I will, actually. I said, well, there you go. No matter what you've done, God is still your father and you are still his child because of this new birth. And I explained to him how this new birth could be his. The third reason you can have confidence in conversion in these verses is this. is because he's begotten us again to a living hope you are born again to a living hope. And you know something? There are millions in our country tonight. Millions. There are thousands in this town of Hinckley who don't know that. And you, if, if you're a Christian, it's yours. You've begotten again to a living hope. In fact, 1 Timothy 1.1 says this, The Lord Jesus, our hope. And folks, when you look around this world, it's ever so temple, isn't it? You put on the radio, and there's nothing wrong with this in a sense, but all you get is shame-worn taking wickets. As though it's the biggest thing in the whole world. Well, bless him, he's very good at what he does, and I trust he becomes a Christian. But the point is this, folks. They talk as though it's everything, don't they? I mean, who won the Ashes series in 1937? I said that somewhere in a church the other week, and this bloke came up and said, 
were. In fact, I asked them which team won the FA Cup in 19, what he said, actually it was Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> I said, you sad man, sit down, you sad man. <laughs> but the point I'm making is this, folks. It doesn't really matter, does it? It doesn't really matter. And if you think about it, they are going for somebody's ashes. Which is an interesting thought. Because they haven't got any real hope. And we have. And if you're a Christian tonight, you can rejoice and have confidence in conversion because you've got real hope. I went into a bookshop in Southport and I bought a book yesterday. 50p. I thought I'd better not barter him down, you know. Matt think I'm stingy. But there we go. 50p. And I'll tell you what the book's called. The Best of British Men. I weren't in, but I, I weren't really mine. <laughs> but I'll tell you something interesting, I thought. And it starts on the back, it says, At last there is a guide to more than 1,400 of our best British men in 175 categories, including brewers, brokers, scientists, sculptors, and many, many more. And I went through, and you won't believe this, but do you know who's in here? The founder of United Beach Mission. But I'll tell you the sad bit. They've got his name totally wrong. It's Professor Werner White. <laughs> He's in here. So even, if you think about it, they've even got that wrong, haven't they? And it's in there, I'll show you at the end if you want to see it. And it goes to show you folks that all of these to a man, a few years from now, they won't be here, will they? Why? Because life is transient. And with a Christian, you've got hope. I'll tell you who's in here, a chap called Steve Wright. And Steve Wright is the Radio 1 presenter, not the UBM leader from Northern Ireland in the next room. But I want to say to you folks is this, all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And if you're a Christian folks, if you're born twice by the wonder and the mercy and the love of God tonight, you've got every hope. And that's a tremendous thing to have confidence. Every hope. And then notice this, a fourth reason. You can have confidence in conversion because your future is secure. It says in verse 4, you've got this new birth to an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away. I'll read it again. To an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, and does not fade away. Now, I want you to think very carefully. Ready? Can you think of anything on earth, in this life, that is not, that, sorry, that is permanent? Think of anything in this life that is permanent. Well, let me help you think in fame. It's fleeting. Clothes, they wear out. Houses, they decay. Cars, they rust out. Time runs out. And the body gives up. And it actually says in this passage, it's more precious your faith than gold that perishes. Now folks, if that doesn't make you start to rejoice, I don't know what will. Because the lovely thing is, folks, that when you're a Christian, you can have total confidence in your conversion because of all these riches that are yours. Your future is secure.
And then, fifthly, you can have confidence in conversion because your seat is booked. You know when you get on a train, let's say you're going from London to wherever you're going north, you know when you get on there, sometimes you see tickets on the back of the chairs, don't you? And you know that they're booked chairs. I remember being sat in a chair one day and man was in the clear, if you like. But I knew that the man next to me, or down the carriage, had one of these tickets. And we stopped at some station, let's say Nuneaton, wherever it was, and a fellow walked on, and he realised that the seat that he'd booked, there was a man in it. And he very courteously said to the man in the chair, he said, um, excuse me, that's my chair. And do you know what I noticed about that little conversation? The man who said it, said it with total confidence. He said, excuse me, you're in my chair. And the man said, I'm sorry, God, move down the bus. When you know that you've got a place booked, you can have total confidence. And it says here, it says, this thing is reserved in heaven for you. Incorruptible, undefiled, fades not away, reserved in heaven, in another world for you. And you can have confidence in conversion, sixthly, because you are kept by the power of God for it. It says you are kept by the power of God, through faith, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now don't think that you've got to keep yourself up. You haven't. I remember years ago, Trevor Knight gave an illustration. He said, think of a man drowning at sea, and somebody on the shore throws him a life ring. And he shouts to the man who's thrown it, and he says, um, he says, um, I'm going under. So he said, well, get in the ring. And he said, do you think it'll keep me up? He said, get in and see. And folks, the power to keep up is not you clinging on with your fingernails so you don't slide off the cliff, so to speak. You are kept by the power of God. When you're in Christ, whatever happens to Christ will happen to you. And you are kept by the power of God, and so am I. I read last Christmas Dr. Helen Rosevear's book called Living Faith. And this is a really great insight into this whole issue of really trusting God and thinking, it's God who's keeping me. So she's written this book called Living Faith. She was a missionary in the Congo. She lives now in Northern Ireland. She wrote, In the early days of our spiritual life, there is often much to encourage and inspire our faith. This has certainly been my experience personally. Initially, we think that our faith is increased by miracles of God's giving. Now this is the interesting bit. Actually, our faith, which is God's gift, cannot be increased. It is our realisation of the fact of our relationship to God that grows. And the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. He said, you only need a bit. In fact, you only need a tiny bit. And she says here, it is the realisation of the fact of our relationship to God. And she says, actually our faith, which is God's gift, cannot be increased. All you need, folks, is a little bit of trust. Faith of the finished work of Christ. If you get to know me, you'll find I don't like flying. 
People say, why? I say, well, it hurts my arms. But that's a joke. Never mind. <laughs> I don't. But I've noticed this. I'm sat there looking out the window from 80,000 feet or whatever, above the candy floss, you know, as you see the candy floss across there. And I'm petrified, trying to give me an evangelical grin, <laughs> thinking everything's well, and I'm dying a million deaths, thinking everybody's a terrorist, and the biggest terrorist driving the thing, you know. And there's somebody next door to me going, you know. I've noticed an interesting thing. We both arrive in Belfast together at the very same time. Do you know why? Because the source of my confidence is not me. It's the machine, the bloke at the front. If they've got the power and the skill, I can wobble all I like, we'll arrive together. And folks, it says here, you are kept by the power of God through faith. Not a great faith, a little faith in a mighty God. Now it's Friday night, but I want to finish with this. Okay. What are the two applications and implications for this, for us then? If we can be confident in God, the God of our conversion. First of all, we ought never to be miserable. Because you've got every hope. Now don't get me wrong folks, people go through tremendous trials. In fact in this passage it says, the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire. So these believers in this part of the world were going through trial. But ultimately folks, below it all, beyond it all, through that trial, which you will one day go and I will too, God is present. And that's the source of your joy. And you need never be miserable. I'm not advocating that you go around like some sort of comedian. It's nice to have fun. But I am saying, folks, you'll carry with you a joy. And secondly, the second implication is this. We ought never to give the impression that this world is all that there is. Do you know why? Because you don't belong here anymore. You're a citizen of another country. I remember years ago, Roger and I, we were down in Clevedon in about 1984, and we were doing a tent mission. And the thrill of that week for me was meeting a man called Colonel Jim Irwin. He was the first of 12 astronauts to go to heaven. And uh, Jim Irwin had driven the car on the moon. In fact, he said to me, Vinnie, would you like a new car? I said, yes, gullibly. He said, there's one on the moon, you just need a battery. We've left it there. The Americans had left this car. And he said in his story, he said, when he walked one morning and he was on the moon in his capsule, he looked out the window to the blue planet and he said, I had to pinch myself and say, Jim, Jim, you're in another world now. You're in another world. And when you're born into this new world, folks, the world of the living Lord Jesus, you're in another world. So you never feel at home anymore here. Because you don't belong here. That's a loud mobile phone. <laughs> Some of you know that I love the writings of A.W. Tozer. If, if they're on that bookstore, folks, go. Go quickly. 
because they're great books buy them devour them it's changed my Christian life for the better on Sunday June the 12th 1963 A.W. Tozer was American converted in the open air he suffered a heart attack and he was rushed to hospital where he lingered until just after midnight when he left this and then it says his biographer wrote and his name was writing this was um, Nigel Clifford in a book called Preachers, Christian Preachers he said this at this time he left this world to be an inhabitant of the next and I thought what a wonderful way to put this godly man's life so rejoice because God has worked in your life and of all people you can trust the God of conversion shall we pray Heavenly Father we thank you for your word we thank you for the love of God from heaven for each one of us thank you for your abundant mercy please help us to appreciate what it means to have a living hope to be transformed not to be part of this world and we ask this weekend that we'll know God we'll know your presence and your power we pray for every speaker bless and use them every meeting encourage people through it we pray and we pray for any who are travelling to us on the roads keep them safe we pray and bring them safely thank you for our time together and this dip into your word in Jesus name Amen